Hi, I'm Juan, and I'm a writer, which means I'm interested in our world and how it works and how we got here. I was born in Guadalajara, Mexico, the birthplace of mariachi. I used to tell my family I wanted to be buried in a mariachi outfit, but now I'd rather end up as compost for a beautiful tree that will hopefully outlive us all. You should also know that my parents are Peruanos, you know that country teeming with cranky llamas that produce the ruins of Machu Picchu, and that unmistakable pan flute music you're bound to find in any corner of this planet. I was raised in the San Francisco Bay Area in a quintessentially boring suburb known as Fremont. Growing up, I dreamt of being a filmmaker, like Stanley Kubrick, Frederick Wiseman, or David Fincher, but I never put in the work. So instead, I kept my Netflix DVD subscription and made myself into a writer. I've published two books, a memoir and a short story collection. And over the years, I've attended my share of writing workshops, good and horrific readings, and hung out with other kooky writers. So I know a thing or two about storytelling. Through this podcast, I want to talk to other writers, craftsmen, and storytellers to talk about their work and what they're up to and interested in. Hello everyone, I'm your host Juan, and today I'm very glad to be joined by my good friend Justin Goldman, who is the deputy editor for Hemispheres, the in-flight publication for United Airlines. In this past year, because of the pandemic, the magazines were pulled off the planes, um, but I've heard they're coming back, and I'm really glad to hear that, especially for you, and we'll definitely get into that, but first I wanted to welcome you to the show, Justin. It's a pleasure to be here, thanks for inviting me. Sure. Um, okay, so why don't we start there and, and work our way back? Um, can you tell me about Hemispheres and how it compares in circulation with other in-flight magazines? Yes, sure. So it's one of the bigger ones uh, as far as, I don't know the numbers for international, pub, international airlines, uh, for like the ones from other countries, I mean. But uh, as far as the American ones, I believe it was the second largest after the American Way, which is the American Airlines magazine. I think we were maybe slightly bigger than uh, the Delta one, which was called Delta Sky. Delta Sky actually folded during the pandemic, so it no longer exists. So... um, yeah, and our circulation went on planes, which we, as you mentioned, uh, are we've been off of planes since April of we were taken off actually in March of 2020, and we're going back on in June um, next month. So that's exciting. When we're on planes, we're uh, about in the range of we always say we're in front of 11 million passengers a month. How has Hemispheres uh, survived the pandemic? Um, You know, it was interesting. Obviously, it was pretty scary at the beginning. Um, We didn't know what was going to happen with the magazine Um, uh, when it took when it was taken off the planes. You know, there was some worry that that would be it for us. 
Um, we had a, a couple of things work in our favor. Um, we have a contract and aside from having a contract, we have a, a good relationship. My editor in chief, Ellen Carpenter in particular, has a really good relationship with the uh, marketing team at United and the people who make decisions there. So they were, uh, they wanted to work with us. They're happy with the magazine. They wanted to keep it um, even when it had to come off plans at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and uh, so we kind of came up with this solution. I forget whose idea this originally was, but um, they decided to do it as a mail home issue. So we were not publishing at all for a few months there. I th believe we had no issue get printed from April through July of 2020. And then in August, we started doing a mail home issue to um, high level frequent flyers. Uh, so I believe it was like platinum level and above. Uh, and so we were getting mailed to about 350,000 people, I believe was the circulation number there. Um, mm -hmm. And that was a positive we've we've liked working on the model of, on that model of the magazine um there were some changes to the magazine uh such as like not having some of the boilerplate like airline pages like you know your food and drink menus and stuff like that there's no need for those obviously in a mail home issue we so we've enjoyed that um it was we had some layoffs uh in the office so uh we lost some of our staff and it ended up just being me and ellen plus an art team uh doing the magazine so that kind of increased our workload actually um oh, i remember what i was going to say it's the model the cirque model that we have is sort of like departures now if you know that magazine it's the one that gets it's sort of a another fancy lifestyle slash travel magazine that gets mailed to um I believe it's American Express uh, um, people who have the American Express cards, American Express customers. So we were on that model, but we're uh, returning to planes in June now. That's great. Um, it's It's been a while since I've been on a plane, um, August 2019 to be exact. And wow. I'm very familiar with in-flight magazines. I've held them. I've read articles in them that looked interesting. And I think I've even drawn mustaches on people and ads <laughs> in the magazine. So I, I know what the, the final product looks like, but I'm wondering if you can give me like a broad yet sort of specific picture of what you're doing right now in order to produce those magazines. So as far as production goes, the process is not all that dissimilar from what you would do at a newsstand publication. Mm -hmm. um, basically, the only difference is um, that there's a client review process. So when we finish, you know, we work with them somewhat on um, lineups like, you know, we run big features past them. We do, they, they have United, I'm when I say they, I mean United, they have, uh, they have a lot of say in what the cover stories are. Mm -hmm. uh, but other than that, we largely, you know, we, and we, um, we'll do a story here and there that they ask us to, to publicize like a route or something, a new route or something like that, a new destination. But um, for the most part, we have pretty good control over our lineups. 
which uh, is not necessarily the case at other, like I know Delta Sky was, for example, much more dictated by Delta, what their content was. Um, so we have more freedom in terms of, uh, of our lineup. In terms of process, you know, it works. I've worked at a new stand pub before and it works basically the same in terms of, you know, assigning manuscripts and shoots and getting the product, the raw materials in and, editing and getting into layout and stuff like that. And just um, the thing about working with a custom pub is that, you know, when you have a roughly finished product, it goes to the client for their review. And uh, United is a good client. um, So they typically don't have too many changes for us. Um, And uh, basically the upshot of what this means uh, is that we kind of have to ship twice as opposed like a lot of places just ship to print and that's it. So we have a ship for the client and then we have a ship for printer. So that probably makes our lives a little more hectic, but other than that, it works basically the same as a newsstand. I see. So how many times a year is hemispheres um, published? Monthly. Monthly. Okay. Gotcha. Um, Without getting you in trouble with your employer and, I know things have changed because of the pandemic, um, but what are the most challenging aspects of your job? Um, I mean, our workforce is smaller during the pandemic. The The company, uh, you know, our company has done like 30, used to do 30 airline magazines and some of those have shuttered. Some of those have been paused. So, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we had some layoffs. So I have uh, everyone who is still on staff has had their workload increase. Um, I think that's probably similar at a lot of other places, Um, not just in publishing, but in the world at large. Um, Aside from that, um, you know, I mean, the fact is we do a travel magazine. So that has the, the, just the restrictions around the world and how fluid the situation is, how quickly things change. We've had to pull stories. We've had to hold stories because of outbreaks in places. We haven't known like, oh, can we do a Europe story this month? When can we assign a Europe story again? Like, do we, can we, you know, we, we have a Florida feature, but if they have a huge outbreak in uh, Florida, which they basically always have had a huge outbreak in Florida, can we run that story? You know, so the pandemic is very much. And the fact is, you know, as you know, you said you haven't been on planes. Uh, I've been on a couple of planes, but not for work. Those were I went to visit my family once uh, in California. But beyond that. Uh, I haven't tried, you know, I used to travel twice, you know, I would probably be on a flight to go somewhere twice a month um, the last couple of years uh, pre-pandemic. You know, I've been on two airplanes in the last year plus. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard, you know, so we've had to lean on other writers on, on writers on location to file stories. We've also had to, you know, do some, some, phone and internet reporting, uh, you know, just interviews about places, um, which is, it's not ideal. You get better material when you're on the ground in a place, but, you know, we're just trying to do the best we can with the situation as it is. 
Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's been, a, a, I mean, to put it lightly, it's been just such a great adjustment for just about everyone. And, um, and I should say, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I really should say that like, I'm very lucky to be employed still. Cause I know a lot of people, uh, across the world and all sorts of industries have like lost their jobs. So, uh, there are their challenges. Yes. But, um, it's, it's obviously a whole lot better than the alternative. For sure. Um, a hundred percent. I mean, that is, yeah. Um, such an understatement on, on my part, but, um, you've worked on hemispheres for nearly eight years and, and Rhapsody was around until 2018. And, um, what have been some of your favorite assignments or pieces that you've worked on for either magazine? Um, there's been a lot of good ones. So I would say there's kind of two branches of ones that I've really enjoyed, um, which are the travel stories on one side and then doing celebrity interviews, culture stories on the other side. So as far as travel stories go, like the hemispheres, like flagship cover story is three perfect days every month, which, uh, you know, we spend, we do a 15 page story on uh, a, de a destination. And I've written, I think something like 15 or 16 of those in the last seven or eight years. Um, so I've gotten to go to some pretty amazing places. I got to go to, I've been to Brazil, Argentina. I've been to Australia. I've been to Israel. I've been to, um, uh, Tahiti and um, Morea and Bora Bora, so lots of um, pretty amazing places, and that's and that's all been really uh, exciting because I wasn't a person who got to travel a lot when I was a kid, um, definitely not internationally. So I've definitely gotten to uh, chalk a lot of add a lot of notches to my travel belt over the years. Um, and uh, I've also gotten to do a couple of other fun non three perfect days travel stories. Probably my favorite one is I went to Japan um, a couple years ago. This is probably like three or four years ago now and did a story on Japanese whiskey distilleries. So uh, I went all the way up to Hokkaido to go to the Nika distillery and down to Kyoto to go to the Yamazaki distillery and then spent some time going to whiskey bars in Tokyo and uh, Japan is just an incredibly amazing place. So, uh, uh, and I like whiskey. So uh, there was, uh, that story was really great. So the, the travel opportunities have been fantastic. Um, on top of that, you know, I've gotten to do a fair amount of celebrity interviews. Rhapsody did a sort of like GQE kind of, or Esquire kind of cover story where we would do a like a sit down interview with a celebrity and kind of write a profile, do a write through profile of them. So I did a lot of done a lot of really cool ones. Uh, I did Robert De Niro. Um, I got to do Michael K. Williams, who played Omar on The Wire. He's uh, amazing. I got to do. Um, I'm blanking on. So I got to see Salma Hayek. Uh, I got to sit down and have lunch at a in a restaurant in London with Salma Hayek. That's definitely a highlight of my life. Um, 
And then we also do like a celebrity Q&A in Hemispheres where every month we just call it the Hemi Q&A. And I've gotten to do talk to those are usually phone interviews, but I've gotten to talk to some some really cool people on that, like uh, Eric Clapton, Ice Cube, um, uh, Jeff Bridges. Anthony Bourdain, who is uh, was a big personal hero of mine. So yeah, a lot of really cool, fun stories that I've gotten to work on in kind of both of those realms. For those Q and A's, um, or and also like the the celebrity interviews, how much input do you have in terms of who gets, um, yeah, who gets, uh, who who you get to ask those questions to? Um, I mean, as you mean, in terms of how the client is, uh, involved or in terms of the celebrity themselves? I'm sorry. Yeah. Like in terms of like, uh, which celebrity you, you, you get to, um, have a chat with. I mean, for the Hemi Q and a, the client is, is hands off. You know, we just try not to do people who have been super controversial. Uh, we try to steer clear of politics in general, so we haven't done very many politicians, um, we're politically outspoken celebrities are, are usually okay. Um, we try not to be too political in the interviews themselves. Um, we are a client-based publication and, um, we try not to make anyone mad if we can avoid it. Um, so, but yeah, and in, in terms of who we pick other than that, we have pretty free reign. It's just a matter of then getting, whichever celebrity to agree to do the interview, which uh, ask anyone who works in entertainment media, that is one of the great challenges of the business. <laughs> yes, I've, I've heard uh, many, many a story over many, many a year. Is the in-flight magazine world a, a place in of itself? Like, do other people know other folks who work at other in-flight magazines? And if so, do you all have like conventions and happy hours at airport bars or, or perhaps up on some enormous plane? <laughs> Nothing like that. Uh, we don't, we don't meet at JFK for drinks. Um, <laughs> there is a community. Um, there are, uh, I know people who work at American way. I knew people who worked at Delta sky. There are a couple of, we, there's not like really an airline magazine sort of convention but there's a couple of like independent travel writer conventions and travel agency conventions and stuff like that that you some of us do go to um so i've been to a couple of those uh and then you know we all kind of use a lot of the same freelance writers too who a lot of those people also are contributing to the newsstand travel magazines like Travel and Leisure and Condé Nast Traveler and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a pretty established community. I see. I yeah, I kind of got the sense. I mean, there's um, yeah, there's world within world within world. So then I was just thinking that even with in-flight magazine, since it's such a niche um, publication and, um, and and like a focused sort of um, type of travel writing oftentimes and then um just culture writing i figured that there would be people who just um who are are in that realm and probably um are a part yeah so i just i had a sense that there would be it's it would have its own little world i would actually push back a little bit on the idea of it being super niche it is a little bit niche because of the the, but the niche is really the uh, the mechanism of delivery, right? Um, like as far as the travel content, like if you look at our content, it's not 
different from what's in or not like it's not particularly different from what is in Conde Nast Traveler or Travel and Leisure. Like I frankly would, if you, I frankly would put our content up against theirs in terms of uh, quality. Absolutely. Um, yeah. There's I'm- a little bit of a, there's a niche in terms of we do a mix of travel and culture. That's probably the difference um, versus a pub that's purely travel focused versus purely uh, culture focused. So that is, that's the other difference. Yeah. I, I think that was what I was trying to go for, but then just um, poorly worded. I, I think <laughs> my, my coffee here, I had, I had some pretty big pancakes of this morning, I'll be honest. And I think it might've um, just sucked up some of that coffee and it's still working its way through. It's my, through, uh, yeah, through, through my body. So um, but yeah, you put it, you put it perfectly. I think that's what I was going for. Um, do you have an assignment or a piece that, that you almost got to work on, but didn't, um, it, like one that kind of slipped away that still gnaws at you? I, I was wondering about that. I have some bucket list stories that I haven't done. Um, I don't know that I've lost any opportunities um yet uh i think some of the things that i've there's things that i wanted to do that i haven't done yet but i am uh i wouldn't say there's anything in there that's like oh i'm never gonna get to do that um nothing nothing that springs to mind anyway what's on your bucket list uh i have a few ideas that are that i want to do actually i'm hoping this summer to go up to washington state and um, this is maybe not the most glamorous destination, but um, in Dharma Bums, at the end of the book, Jack Kerouac, uh, he writes about he stays, he spent a summer working at a fire tower on top of a mountain in That's right. uh, Cascades National Park. And I've always wanted to do that hike and go up to that fire tower. Um, and I am hoping to make that particular uh, thing happen this summer. We'll see. Um, scheduling wise. Um, aside from that, I have a, I have one ambition for a story that I've kind of put feelers out for, but not really fully um, get, gotten the wheels going is that I want to go to Italy, which I've actually never been to Italy, which is a pretty embarrassing thing for a travel writer. Um, but I, uh, uh, some of the basically Ferrari, Maserati, and Lamborghini are all within like 20 miles of each other um, Mm -hmm. where they were founded and where they have their factories and museums and stuff. So I want to go do like a supercar pilgrimage in uh, Italy. That's Um, fantastic. So that's probably not a thing that's going to happen this summer, but I'm hoping for 2022 summer, maybe. Um, And then there's lots of places I want to do some, I want to do like a wine trip a wine oriented trip to South Africa. Uh, I've never been to South Africa. Um, I haven't been to Africa at all. Actually, that's another travel miss um, that I want to would like to rectify. Um, And uh, I like wine. So that would be that's a good um, kind of vague story that I would like to do at some point, I need to work on the specifics of that. Um, I'd like to I loved my time in French Polynesia. So I'd like to go back uh, I went scuba diving for the first time there and I thought it was amazing. So I'd like to get my certification and um, 
do a, do a scuba diving trip to the Tuamotos and then maybe visit the Marquesas as well, which is apparently sort of the most uh, cultural, uh, most truest to original Polynesian culture. If you visit that, it's, per, it's a little less touristy than some of the other islands. It's just a little harder to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I would really like to do. Uh, then there, you know, there's always, there's all the classic, um, travel bucket list things. Like I've never been to Thailand or Vietnam, so I really would like to go there. Um, I'd like to do, I'd like to do a good boxing story in Mexico, go dig into some boxing gyms in Mexico. That would be pretty sick. Um, I have, that's not a thing that I've done any work towards doing. It's just something that popped into my head. Mm. Um, uh, but I but I have thought about that a little bit, and you know I'd love to go to your native Peru. It's a it's a big bucket list item of mine. Uh, obviously, we're talking at, that's probably going to have to be the pandemic situation is going to have to improve for for that to be a reality. So. Yes, indeed. But I love that there's uh, there's like basically a, a literary pilgrimage there. Uh, there's also like a super fast car slash um, yeah pilgrimage. Um, some wine tasting and um, some very sensual um, pilgrimages there in terms of um, just using the word pilgrimage too much. I'm so sorry. I'm a man for all seasons. <laughs> so that's, that's great. Um, it reminds me of um, there's, there's been an idea I've had recently where I just want to do like these obscure um, literary pilgrimages. So one of the things I'm interested in doing now is uh, at some point, um, maybe driving down to Los Angeles so I could just go to UCLA's um, library where Ray Bradbury uh, wrote. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I just would love to, I don't know, I'm, I'm pretty sure they don't have the same typewriter that he used um, to to write Fahrenheit 451. And, but I, I would like to go to that library. So it's just sort of like little obscure things. So that Jack Kerouac one, it sounds fantastic. Yeah, I have a lot of those little kind of literary ideas um, floating around in my head. Um, <laughs> definitely. Great. I was hoping if we could take some time. I've, I've got just a few questions for you. But prior to you um, joining Inc. Global, which is the company that um, United contracts for their in-flight magazine, uh, you used to work at Diablo magazine, which I'm very familiar with here in the Bay Area. It's a regional lifestyle magazine out here on the sunny side of, of the bay. And it's been around since the year I was born, which means it's pretty fucking old. Um, <laughs> true story. And um, according to the good people at LinkedIn, uh, you started out with them through an internship and over the years um, made your way up their editorial chain. So I was wondering if you could um, tell me about how you started out with them. Well, I didn't make it that far up their editorial chain. Um, quickly, uh, so I, you know, I was an English major in college, uh, English lit major, and uh, so I kind of had it in my brain that I wanted to be a writer. But I was thinking more of like a short story, you know, fiction writer, short stories, no- novels, that sort of thing. And uh, after college, basically, I had I moved up to, moved up to Portland. For, Oregon for a little bit after college. And then the things didn't work out that well for me. So after like a year there, I came back and was just kind of hanging around the East Bay. I was working at a independent bookstore um, 
in Walnut Creek, actually. And uh, I honestly just Diablo, um, I, they had an ad for interns on Craigslist. Uh, and I saw it and I was just, you know, I was working part time at, at a bookstore. I think I had some, I think I was teaching SAT classes or something too. And I was just like, uh, sure. You know, so I applied, uh, I got an internship there. Uh, you know, I, um, their office was like five minutes from my parents' house. Um, I applied, got an internship there. I worked as an intern for six months. I was basically a, um, I worked on Diablo magazine proper. Diablo also has a custom publishing side of their business uh, where they do some various publications, including the, the programs that they sell at the A's and Giants magazine uh, stadiums. Uh, so I did some, and I had been a baseball, I'd been the baseball beat writer at the UCSB newspaper, the Daily Nexus, while I was in college. So uh, I had a little baseball writing experience. So I did that. They ended up hiring me uh, as an editorial assistant to do um, uh, on Diablo proper. So I was that for a year. I got a bump to assistant editor. My my duties weren't all that different. It was, you know, bottom of the chain editorial stuff like, you know, helping out with fact checking, helping out with production editing. But it was it was a good experience. I, you know, I learned a lot about uh, magazine processes, you know, things that you wouldn't know otherwise. Um, and I ended up leaving that job to pursue the um fiction writing thing a little more. I went and did an MFA at Mills College, which is apparently, that's a pandemic thing. They're transitioning as an institution now. But uh, I spent a couple of years doing my MFA. After that, I worked part-time as like a contributing editor for Diablo for a few months here and there before I ended up deciding to move to New York, where I live now. Mm-hmm. And when you were in, in Diablo and it's just that time in your life, um, what do you think were like the key experiences and, and skills that, that you gained that, that helped you to eventually land a, a managing editor role? Um, it's a couple different things. I definitely, uh, you know, when you started out as an intern in particular, they, at Diablo, the interns do all the fact checking. Um, so I think working as a fact checker is a really valuable experience for someone to uh, improve their skills as a reporter because um, it teaches you to be detail oriented. Um, so that was good. I learned how to use the Adobe design suites. So in copy and design, et cetera, which uh, that's an important skill um, for print publishing for sure. Um and then just kind of learned about the t- how an editorial team works. Go to going to pitch meetings, seeing how something goes from an idea to an assignment to a manuscript to uh, getting art to getting into layout. That whole process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, just being a part of that process and being very familiar with it. Um, yeah, I mean, like you were mentioning before you know like the in-flight magazines um it, it's very much like any other um well like many other publications and um yeah I, i'm just being familiar with that flow um and and just um especially when they are um publications that are um cranked out regularly um there's there's always a process right so so being you're always on the answer 
surreal. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I just had one last question for you, basically, um, and I'm so grateful for, for your time. Do you have any recent piece or, or article on Hemispheres that, that you'd like to plug? Uh, actually, in the May issue, which uh, is probably hitting people's inboxes now, um, mailboxes now, I should say, uh, is I did the Hemi Q&A this month, uh, the big feature Q&A, and I got to interview the author Colson Whitehead, who um, two-time Pulitzer Prize winner for fiction. Um, and he, the peg for that was the later this month, um, the Underground Railroad, his kind of landmark novel, uh, was adapted into a series for Amazon Prime that Barry Jenkins directed. Um, so, you know, as someone who had uh, literary aspirations and who is a big fiction reader to this day, it was very exciting to get to talk to him. So that's a, that's a fun interview. Is that also available on, on the Hemispheres um, website? Yeah, so it's hemispheresmag.com is the website. So uh, yeah, we definitely love it if people people check that out. I hope they hope they enjoy the interview. Yeah, uh, I I think I'm gonna um, check that out right right after we're done talking. Actually, um, great, cool. Um, well, Justin, thank you so much for for taking some time this um, beautiful Sunday morning to. Um, talk with me um about your experience and um i I really appreciate your time thank you so much thanks thank you juan it was a pleasure 